Hi, and welcome to The Art of Comedy. I'm Maggie Casella. You're listening on PeachRadio.com. Uh, here's where we talk about, well, everything. Let's just face it. The Art of Comedy is just a cloak. <laughs> it's just a cloak uh, to get you here. And if you got here and you like what you hear, please do me a favor and uh, tell some other people. Tell your friends, both of them. This week uh, in the studio, that cute little laugh just came from, uh, I don't know, how do you describe Asta Law? Let's see. <laughs> this is me reading her bio. She's charismatic. <laughs> really? Put that in your own bio? That's like, I am Jesus. I didn't know you were going to read it online. I just like doing it because it's pretty funny. <laughs> of South Asian descent, because, you know, you couldn't tell that on the radio. I play so. the minority card. Yep, good for you. Yep. And you can do a fantastic Jackie Chan impersonation. Yes, I can. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Asta, I spy her own description is a little lady who gets big laughs. Hey, Shan. Yeah. Hello, pretty lady. Hey, pretty lady. Oh, my God. Shannon <laughs> McDonough is here, too. And, of course, Adam is on the board. Say hi, Adam. Hey. There he is. Um, we were having a whole conversation beforehand, and he turned all red and blue. Um, so, uh, Asta, you know what? Rather than me reading your bio, tell us a little bit about yourself. Because you're a – are you a dually? Oh, yeah. I'm a dual citizen. I was born and raised in New York. Yeah, and not in New York. In New York. Where? In, in Queens, New York. This New York. is Canada, right? Yeah. So <laughs> actually America. people know geography yeah. here. So even in though America. everyone is listening all over the world, <laughs> what part? Queens. In Queens, New York. Yeah. In America. America. Yeah. Okay. Well, she could have said, I live in New York. Where? Buffalo. Oh, yeah. That's true. It's a state, too. Yeah, not only is it a... Okay. Um, and you've been doing stand-up. You're relatively young. Yeah, I just, do you want me to tell you how old? I, I do, but I w will then have to kill you. So go ahead. I just turned 27. Oh, my Lord. Isn't that cutest little thing you ever I heard? I hate you. Aww. Okay, so, because I'm 29. Anyway, uh, you just, oh, look at Adam laugh. That's the last laugh you'll ever have. So, yeah, you're 27. You've been doing stand-up? For about seven years. I started when I was 20. Crazy. Yeah. How? Um, so it was actually started on a whim. I, I went to... Um, I went to the Shug School of Business at York University, and I was surrounded by, like, super, super okay, smart people. You went to the what? The, the Shulik School of Business. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. <laughs> so you have a business degree. <laughs> I have a business degree. But, I again, so I was surrounded by all of these really, really smart people, and these are the future, like, accountants and auditors of the world. Careful, because I'm married to one. So. Oh, yeah. Okay, right? <laughs> accountants and auditors. Not that, you know, they're great people. Oh, they're fantastic. Yeah. It's just they just weren't me, and they, you know, they weren't you either. And so as soon as I graduated, I ended up in this, like, nine-to-five cubicle job, and I was like, oh, my God. This can't be the rest of my life. Right. And so I just got into it in a whim. Like I took a random course at Second City. And uh, it was like a three-month course, just stand-up comedy course, intro to comedy. And at the end of the three months, they make you perform in front of a live audience for the first time. Yep. This was like seven years ago. This is mm. terrifying. Yeah. And so I remember they called me up on stage and I could hear my heart like beating out of my chest like crazy. Like I thought I was going to have a stroke. Um, but I remember they called my name. I went up, I grabbed the mic, and I told my first joke, and I heard my first little bit of laughter, and I was like, this is what I need to be doing for the rest of my life. Awesome. So, that, yeah. That's it. All you needed to be was laughed at. That's it. That's it. Just one time. I know. That's great. <laughs> it's just, uh, that, that's crazy. Uh, you know, and it takes, a, it takes a brass ovaries to do that. Let's face it. I talk to a lot of people all over, actually. I, uh, you know, I was actually dealing with a customer service guy uh, in Montreal. He was like, I want to do stand-up. I'm like, you should do it. Like, just Why do not? it. And, yeah. and he's like, well, how? I'm like, write something, you know? Then yeah. go to an open mic, and it doesn't matter how bad you do, you know, just do it. Unless, yeah. you know, you do have that stroke, in which case, don't do it again. <laughs> no. You know? Um, well, I had people for 20 years telling me I should do stand-up, but I was terrified. What scary. happens if I bomb? What yeah. happens if I bomb? And then finally I did it, and... I was like, what What was I so afraid of? I don't know, because yeah. you're an incredible actor, and uh, and actually that was Shannon, and a uh, great character comic. Um, but, I, I, you know, here's the thing about comedy. Right, so, wait a minute. Let's talk about where you've performed. Because, you know, you're 27. Okay, you've been doing comedy seven years. Yep. And you've performed, like, all over the world. Yeah. Yeah. I, I travel a lot, and so wherever I go, like, I, I make sure I do shows. And so I've done a lot in the States. Uh, I've done, like, New York and L.A. and Miami and a few other smaller states um, that are not important. But, you know, also, like, <laughs> like, a few places in Europe, like Ireland and London. And I, I lived in Hong Kong for a little bit. And so they have a really cool circuit there. So I did a few shows in Hong Kong as well. And so uh, wherever you I You think you'd be able to do the same shows in Hong Kong now? Was it pre-Hong uh, Kong going back to China, Hong Kong? <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, it's pretty, like, it's very separated because it's, you know, it was British and whatnot. But, well, that's um, what I mean. It was, like, do you think you'd have the same freedom to do those shows? Yes, yeah. I think so, yeah. yeah. It's very, very liberal place. It's a, have you ever been? 
kids. No, actually, I haven't even actually been to Miami. You've been oh. to more places than I have. No, I'm kidding. But uh, I have not yet. And, and you know, right now I, I, I might be a little scared to travel. Is yeah. that weird? No, no, no. I get it. The, the world is, is coming to an end. To some degree. Um, but, no, I mean, it's all about your your mentality when you go to. I mean, we can't live in fear and not travel because we're afraid of what could happen. So Could we? Can we not? Because, uh, <laughs> you know, I think my only post yesterday was, uh, it's official, the world has gone mad. Yeah. Hashtag, there's no hashtag, and someone pointed out that that was a hashtag. But where are we safe? We're not even safe in our own homes, right? So we can't live in fear constantly. Why? Because you could slip and fall in your own home? Well, I mean, why, could, why are right? you not safe in your own home? You just lob <laughs> that out. What's going on at the Lala well, household? I don't have smart home monitoring, so. <laughs> uh, oh, my God. What a disgusting plug. Um, <laughs> I'm disgusted by you right <laughs> Sorry. now. Sorry. I'm disgusted. Um so, so look, let's. Well, we're on the news. It's really hard. We're we're, we're actually uh, brought, doing the show the day after another mass shooting, mm-hmm. right? Um, this time in, and again, it's interesting because the last time we did the show was two weeks ago. I went actually to the U.S. for U.S. Thanksgiving. Well, actually, I went for my mom's ninety second. Oh, nice my birthday, mom. Not awesome. going all over the place. Um, so uh, the show before that was right after. Oh my gosh, Paris, Paris and Lebanon and Beirut. And um. Then there was another one right after that. There was one more. Oh, my God. There were three. I know there were three. And then um, between that, Colorado Springs and um, now San Bernardino happened. So, you know, we're comics. What do we do? Do we stop? We talked about that with uh, Ali Hassan and uh, Aisha Brown. But I I just feel like even more – it feel more profoundly affected right now. So mm-hmm. what do you do? So I think there's there's two ways to approach it. You can, you know, go on and do your comedy as you normally would, or you can use your comedy to make people think about what's actually happen- happening. Because a lot of times, yeah, like all of these terrible things happen, but we don't take a st- like a minute to understand where that ignorance comes from and poke fun of that ignorance. So I think it's a matter of understanding um, and taking some time to poke fun of the ignorance of why these things do happen. And what ignorance are you talking about? The, re- the reaction, the reactive ignorance or the ignorance of the people no, who the, actually commit the acts? N- yeah, the latter. Oh, the, that's that's very interesting, actually. Right? So you're poking fun at the people doing the bad acts. Yeah, right. And where does that come from, right? Because that's all trained, like that's all trained behavior. Like you, it's misguided. It's misguided. Right. And so it's it's poking fun of that, right? And reactions. Do you think that's dangerous? I mean, first of all, you're South Asian. We, we discussed yes. that. So you're brown. And, and I, I did talk to you a little bit before um, when we came in and because uh, this was just my experience. Experience being in the states, I, I'm going to ask you this: Is brown the new black? And by that, I mean uh, my observation while I was down there is white people seem to be crossing the street when they see brown people now, right? Which right. the old racism was like, oh, there's a black person, I'm going to cross the street. Oh, but you know, right. but black people have talked about that for ages in the United States. Someone yeah. sees me and it locks the door, and obviously the being the victims of uh, the, the police shootings and all of that stuff. But I was literally in a diner, and a guy was like, "Oh, you're from Canada? Do you have Muslims in Canada? And by Muslims, he meant brown people. You yeah. know that, right? Yeah, I, know. I know. And I thought, what? I what? Mm. Well, oh, my gosh. Yeah. Is the new, you know, is, is this a new racism for, at least in the States? I mean, do you feel that way when you travel to the States? So, I, First of all, you are doe-eyed in, <laughs> amazingly, stunningly. For those of you not looking at us, because you can't, uh, but we will post your picture, doe-eyed and, and beautiful. Thank um, you. Do you think that matters? Uh, or do you think it, that the color it, of your skin is it? Well, I less look like a, like I don't look so much like a jihadist. Um, I don't even know what that so, looks like, though. But. <laughs> well, you know, the beard and, you know, like the, the, the scarves and stuff. Okay, well, stop uh, at the beard because, you know, every brown comic I know who's a female a does a joke about... I, I joke about my mustache all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. So, because, uh, I mean, you guys think you have, like, a lot of facial hair. We do. I have to get my face wax. Oh, my God, I can't believe I'm saying this on air. But I have to get my face wax, like, every week. Like it's Dude, it's I'm crazy. Italian. What the bikini part of wax, your face like, are you talking Like, my to... sides and are you my chin oh. and, like, my upper lip. Like it's bad. But I'm Italian. The bikini wax starts at the ankles and ends at the eyebrow. I mean, you know, you guys think you invented like hairiness. It's all right. I just lay in a tub of neat, and it just kind of takes care of my whole. Takes care of everything. Yeah, yeah. That's 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 one way to do it. Yes, and which is why her hoo hoo fell off last week. Let's go back to the serious thing we so were talking about. So I'm, is, is, is that, do you think that's the case? Am, am I, well, first of all, I, I hope you don't think that that's racist of me just saying that. I'm, my observation as a, as a white person, you know, on the right, right. inside in air quotes, you know, having people right. say shit to me that yeah. like <laughs> knocks me down because it's appalling. Yeah. That they Absolutely. would never say to a brown person. It's so easy for someone who's 
who can to just paint someone with a brush. You right. hear about attacks that are happening and brown people are committing them, but like who are these brown people? Where do they come from? What do they believe in? Why are they radicalized? How do they become radicalized? So there's all these questions that people they don't know, right? And so they're just quick to jump to the assumption that, oh, a brown person did this, all brown people are bad. Yeah. But that's the same thing like if you, if you see a, a Asian person walking down the street and you go, "Oh, that per- that Chinese person." You know, like you don't know if that person is a Chinese. bad driver. Go ahead, say it. You're racist. <laughs> you know, you know he wanted to say it. <laughs> you don't know that that Chinese person is bad. You ever no. see that episode of Modern Family? <laughs> yeah. where, oh my god. I'm not a stereotype, and then she backs, she backs into a garbage can. Yeah. <laughs> that was great. But do you uh, mean it's the same sort of like ignorance? It's like you don't know if that person's Chinese or Vietnamese or Filipino or Japanese. It doesn't matter, right? But you see a brown person, and you're like, "Oh, that person's probably Muslim." I'm Hindu, right? Right. Then I have let's talk to about do with that. any of this, right? And but you are pretty. You're a pretty devout Hindu. <laughs> I am. Yeah. Talk, talk to me about that a little uh, bit. It's a it's a part of me that's I I I sort of bring into my stand up sometimes because there's a lot of things in you know ancient uh, Vedic literature, ancient Indian literature, and also Buddhism that I use in my comedy. And so it's it's a lot of principles that I take in and and I I'm I go every Sunday to the temple, and so it's a big part of my life actually. Okay, hilarious. Yeah. How is it in your comedy? I mean, how is that? How do you uh, incorporate? You know. Uh, any of that into comedy without sort of putting people off without oh absolutely you have to be very careful because you can't talk about this stuff and be like oh my religion teaches me this Uh, (laughs) that's hilarious I want to leave now (laughs) yeah bye go to catechism or Hebrew school (laughs) or whatever school this one is Um, so I I guess I'll take you a little bit back into how I started out in comedy so I was doing comedy like regular just you know Regular, non-spiritual, non-inspirational comedy. Well, you're inspired at least once by your mom playing... uh, Yes, Grand Theft Auto. Yeah, first of all, you're like... (laughs) One of my favorite And my 52-year-old mom, like, that's old, because I wanted to... I almost literally ran up on the stage and choked the living poop out of you at that point, because 50-year-olds don't play video games. I have a clue for you, sister. 53-year-old Indian moms don't play video games. All right, okay. She saved herself there. She saved herself there. there. I'm just saying, if you're going to do that joke, you might want to say my... Indian from India, mom, right? I mean, because your your parents are right from, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So what was that like when you saw her playing that game? It was hilarious because she was playing Grand Theft Auto uh, 5. I don't know if you guys have heard of this game, <laughs> yeah. but my Indian mom was playing that. And so I walked in and she was like, like she was doing something on the controller. And I was like, mom, what are you doing? And she turns to me, no word of lie. And she goes, I just killed the prostitute. And I was like, oh, my God. And, and so, yeah. Did you ask was, her about the game? She, she, and I was like, Mom, like, like well, do you even know what you're doing? And she goes, Asa, game is simple. You drive around in the car, you sleep with prostitute, and then you kill the prostitute, and then you get your money back. <laughs> Everybody wins. And so that's actually how you play the game, too. Like, <laughs> and so she's hilarious. She's been very supportive with my comedy career. And so I love her. She's in yeah, India right well, now. She's hanging out. She's in India. She's shopping yeah. for my brother's wedding. That's what she's doing. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Uh, so let's go back to what you were saying and how you incorporated. So oh, you're yes. just doing yeah. stand up about your mom and your Indian mom and yeah. your mustache yeah. and your facial hair it and all that stuff. Very, and then, like, superficial things and things that, you know, like, would just. Get laughs, I know, no, absolutely. I was doing great. Like when I was first starting out, like I was using the minority card, I was using the clitoris card, you know, like I was using all those cards to get on stage and I was getting a lot of time and, and it was going well and people were coming to my shows and they were laughing. But then they were leaving and that was it. And there was no change. You know, I wanted people to start coming to my shows to laugh, but also to learn something and to leave with a different consciousness, maybe like a little bit of a, a pep in their step, a little bit of inspiration in their day. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I changed So you're the a missionary. Team. You're a comic missionary. <laughs> no, not, not necessarily. <laughs> you're trying to convert trying, the audience. I'm trying to be like comedian Oprah. Like that's what okay. I was trying to uh, do. Oh, nice, right? nice. And so I want I Well, you have to, a tagline. It's Deepak Chopra and, and meets fart jokes. Yeah, Deepak Chopra meets fart jokes. Okay, so... <laughs> So, okay, I interrupted. So go ahead. So tell me the process. So, yeah, essentially I wanted to change the consciousness around my comedy. And so I wanted people to come, laugh, and learn something. And so that's why I started doing something called, and I completely made it up, um, inspirational comedy. Yes. And so everyone, every comedian out there, like, tries to find their niche. Like, I think what? you started that at my club. I did. I started at the Fly I thought Beaver. it was perspirational comedy because our, <laughs> our you know place was either too hot or too cold. <laughs> it, I The Flying Beaver, actually, to be completely honest with you, has a beautiful place in my heart because it was the place where I started doing what I loved, like the comedy that I loved. I think and I forced you to do the comedy Yes, you, you did. I like you, to take credit for forcing <laughs> you people. Did. Against- you did. Honestly, I, I tell people that you were my inspiration because you pushed me when no one else pushed me and you believed in me. And now I'm I'm doing my own thing. And I'm, and, and this so is get to, to I did, Thank you. Because you know what? I did, I, I, it looks like I fished for that uh, compliment and now I can't 
take it because I'm Italian. And yeah, you like, can't don't say those things about me. Okay, shut up. As soon as I started, I knew you couldn't take you it. See my <laughs> eyes go down. And I, as soon as I started, because the people were listening, think, "Wow, she fished for that compliment." But anybody who could see me is now. Now I'm under the desk. She's cringing I right now. It. So let's uh, go back. You're my comedy hero. Let's go back. So you wanted people to take this away. So how did you morph? Because it's it's very you know people don't know this about comedy. It's hard, and if you're doing well at it, you'll see comics. Who will do the same joke 4,000 years yeah. because yeah. they always get to laugh and they're making great money and they're whatever. So you're successful. Right. People love you. They're leaving. You don't. You feel like you're not leaving them with something. How do you make the transition? Mm-hmm. And isn't that how, like really dangerous and scary? Oh, for sure, for sure. So you mentioned like the same comic doing that same joke 4,000 times. Yeah. And so that's great for some comedians. You know, that that's like the level of success and that's fantastic. But I used to do that all the time, and I used to leave the stage so unfulfilled. And so I knew that I had to do something, and you pushed me to write my own show. And I was like, you know what? This is what I'm going to do. I'm actually going to sit down and write a 55-minute show, and I'm going to throw in some jokes, and I'm going to talk about something that I want to talk about. So my first show, I don't know if you remember, but it was called Words to Laugh By, yep. Call off of, uh, play off of Words to Live By, and it was all about happiness and how to achieve and maintain happiness through all of the ups and downs that happen to us throughout our lives. And that's kind of a big topic. It's a deep topic. We all want happiness, right? But it's That a sounds ma- so funny. Right? I know. <laughs> right? I mean, Let's again. Let's go to the show about happiness, Shannon. <laughs> but yeah. the thing is, Deep October meets fart jokes. Here's okay. wait for the fart jokes part, okay. guys, right? So it was all about happiness, and I threw in some really interesting principles. Okay, stay with me for a second, okay? No, you've got, really, well, you've got time, dude. This is the, okay. Here's the thing. The thing about this show is, like, it's more of a conversation. Okay. So we don't you don't have to cram anything in in like 12 seconds because the people who are listening both of them have really loud <laughs> atten- long atten- <laughs> long at- sorry I love never, who doesn't have a now. who doesn't have a podcast <laughs> raise your hand wait never mind <laughs> actually let's yeah um so take your time right so it w- it was very interesting because I just sat down I told myself I was going to write this 55 minute show and I threw in principles about what I've learned through happiness through through um ancient Indian teachings and through like what I've studied through prominent teachers like Eckhart Tolle and Wayne Dyer and so and, and Oprah to some degree and so I've taken all of these tidbits of happiness so I talked about some real things I talked about you know I just want to you know the fact that you said Oprah makes me just want to like you know give you a shit <gasps> don't even I worship <laughs> we Oprah. Love Oprah I love Oprah I love Oprah okay like what is like she's really doing amazing things with it. she could be doing anything with her money but she's doing good things with her money oh yeah, yeah. no no I believe no. me I don't I, I, are you kidding do I begrudge a, an African-American woman who had no shoes till she was like set. when she said she wasn't going to eat meat like the beef industry I, I think they either sued her yeah, or whatever really? be- yes oh man she said mm-hmm. she saw something made her not want to eat she had eat. to go to court I know they- are you serious <laughs> mm-hmm. I, just I hope someone sues me for not eating meat that's no no yeah, I know no, that's part of your thing man you can't eat meat so um, pass the wings so here's so oh, go ahead I just had to give you a little Oprah shiz no no it's good so, okay, so you want combine so all these people I combined so I talked about some real things in this show I talked about perspective I talked talked about detachment. I talked about stress. I talked about mindfulness. These are pretty big topics, but I intertwine them with relative examples and silly examples, like super, super so silly look, jokes. Honestly, yeah. I don't want you to do your shtick, but I do yeah. want you to do your shtick because it's really, it, it, it's easy. I see how you're describing right. it, but it's hard for gotcha. people okay, who haven't absolutely. seen so it. So give you an how, do you get, how do you get in to that? Right. You- so I recently, on uh, last week, I did a show for the Rogers Women's Network, and I was talking about happiness a little bit to some degree, and I was talking about how to find the bright side of every single situation, right? And so at the end of the day, the quality of our life is determined by the quality of our thoughts. And if our thoughts can be positive thoughts, we're going to have a positive life. There's a correlation there. So I gave examples of that. And I said, you know, for instance, like, what if your coworker decides to heat salmon in the company microwave? Like, that's a crappy situation. Well, what's the bright side of that situation? The bright side of that situation is, well, at least you're not that guy. Everyone hates (laughs) that guy. Do you know what I mean? And so... And, and then I gave another example, and I was like, okay, another hypothetical example. Um, say, for instance, totally hypothetically, that the mayor of your city gets <laughs> caught smoking crack, right. right? Well, what's the bright side of that situation? Well, the bright side of that situation is at least the mayor of your city isn't Donald Trump, right? It could be oh, worse. Oh, yes, it, it could, could be, be worse, worse right, right? And so it's just really silly examples to to support a point about positive thinking and, and finding the bright side of all the things that happen to us. I don't like finding the bright yeah. side. I, mm. I have a problem with the people who are like, you know, it's the secret and it's the, no, you know, I mean, like, you know, crap, you, you have yeah. to put it out there and you'll get yeah. it. It seems to be about materialism. No. We've talked about this a long time, but... 
I just read something, interestingly enough, I, I did read something, I think it was in the New York Times, about how uh, being grateful actually does, is a good thing and does oh, help absolutely. your mental health. And yeah. and I, and you know, look, we all have our crap, but I mean, at the end of the day, I find it hard to listen to, I cannot fake an orgasm, as I like to say, for people <laughs> whining about little things <laughs> yeah, anymore. Yeah. And you know, so yeah. when, but also I find that people, at least here, are very kind, mm -hmm. you know, and the people at Rogers have to apologize to me every time I call <laughs> to complain about my cable. <laughs> And a woman the other day, I called to complain about my cable service, and she was like, I'm so sorry. That must be so frustrating for you. And I was like, lady, please, you know, did you run my pet over in the driveway? You know, don't apologize to me. You know what's frustrating? Syria. Yeah. And she was like, oh, my God. You said that to her? Yes. Cool, she nice. goes, thank you so much uh, for, for saying that. Yeah. Because, you know, a lot of people really, they you, you would be surprised how, mm -hmm. how upset they get about their cable. Right. And I'm like, well, I know. I'm really frustrated. I am frustrated right now because I can't do my work. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, I'm going to take it out on... And I appreciate that that's mm -hmm. customer service, mm -hmm. you know. I, you know, it's just they're sitting there. And I have a feeling they're, they're – they, the if, if I had to read that script, I would be fake jerking off. <laughs> well, I was like, you must be really frustrated right now. <laughs> oh, shpooing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I, when I was in the States at Verizon, it was the same thing. They're yeah. like, I apologize for the inconvenience. And you know they're sitting there with, like, imaginary guns shooting themselves <laughs> yeah. in the head, yeah. you know, yeah. or yeah. or doing – you know, that's a it's – a, it's a yeah. hard job. Mm -hmm. um, but I think being grateful almost for not being what you're saying is not being in that situation right. is like Everything. is a, is actually it's how I try to live. Right. right I mean, right. you know, uh, it, and it's. I, you know, I've had a lot of shit hit the fan in the mm -hmm. last few years and I still be, I'm like, yeah, but it's OK because. Right. And it's a matter of keeping that attitude up because I talk about perspective like it could be worse. Right. A lot of things could be worse than they are. And it's a matter of like. Making keeping the time to be mindful and to be grateful of the things that the things that you do have in life rather than the things that you don't have. Yes. Right. And so and so that's essentially how I try to incorporate um, mindful tactics and mindful principles into stand up comedy. And it sounds like a, a, a crazy task, but it, it can be done. And I have been doing it. And that's why I started this company, uh, Goodness and Giggles. There we go. Here yeah. comes the plug. Sorry, that was the plug. <laughs> the shameless plug. And that's why I started this company, Goodness and Giggles, is just basically to infuse humor into into these conversations. And we and I talk about real things. I talk about stress and fear and happiness and all of these real things but infusing humor into that conversation okay so uh there was also a thing in the times uh either yesterday or, or the day before uh, where they, they actually did a poll on like are you afraid how many times a day do you think about shootings mm, you know and does it affect your life and no, and I'm thinking about it yeah. are you because no, no, i mean you just mentioned because it. i just mentioned I it well that's way to go maggie yeah. okay. <laughs> um no but i mean when you talk about stress some of the stress is is you know it's so real mm -hmm. right right so there are times when I think when I'm going, ah, it could be worse, you know, and I say whatever it is, I feel like I'm discounting people's uh, right to be stressed about things that are actually stressful. Right, right, right. So how do you bring a comedic thing Absolutely. to that without offending people who are really actually going through stuff that may not be Syria, right. but is still stressful to right. them? So where do we, where does comedy, how do we, how do you do that that's in this a, particular show? No, no, that that's a great question. And so what I also like to talk about is something called detachment. And so that is um, not worrying about the things that you can't control because a lot of times in our lives, we stress out about so many things. But a lot of those things are beyond our control. Like we can't control how someone's going to react to how uh, we spent four hours to cook a meal. We can't control how they're going to react. We can't if we're sending a presentation. And to by that, boss. she means you ungrateful <laughs> piece of crap. But no, no, I'm talking about like how you can't control things, yes, right? Mm -hmm. And we can't control the weather. We can't control how someone's going to react to something we're going to say. We can't control so many things, but we stress out about a lot of those things, mm -hmm. right? And so detachment essentially is trying your best in life, right? And you know, a lot of times we can't control Syria, right? And so it's a matter of figuring out what you can control, what you can't control, and then deprioritizing that stress. And, and I know it's it sounds it's easier said than done, but it's a meth it's a it's a way of training your mind to start to be detached to the things that you can't control. So uh, in, detachment always sounds like such a bad word, right? right? right you know right. what I mean? When we like when somebody doesn't react, we're like, yeah, 
Uh, why did mm. you break up? Oh, she was so detached. <laughs> you know what I mean? Exactly. It's like but there's a difference between detachment and empathy, or, or sorry, apathy. Yeah. Right. There's right. A, there's a big difference. Apathy means like you just don't care, and you're you know what I mean. But detachment means you're just not worried about the things that are beyond your control. So it doesn't necessarily fun? mean having uh, negative connotation. How do you make that funny? Oh, interesting. Um, so <laughs> I actually uh, like I give stories about through my own life of right. how I've had to learn these principles because yeah. I'm not perfect. You know, I'm, I'm my just, God, she's <laughs> not perfect. Yeah, I, I, when I interviewed her, when I pre-interviewed her, she said she was perfect. Wow. I feel really you know awkward what? right now. False advertising. It's over. <laughs> it's over. I'm not perfect. And so I've had to learn these principles. Everything that I talk about is something that I've had to learn on my own. And so a lot of it comes from life experience. And so I remember um, uh, when I was first starting out in comedy, like maybe mm-hmm. like the third or fourth show, I had mm-hmm. to do a gig at the supermarket in Kensington Market. And oh, by the way, uh, for those of you not uh, listening in other countries, <laughs> the, that so mom, many international okay, fans. Uh, the, the Kensington Market is a little yeah. little co- cool place in Toronto, yeah. and that was a that was a club. Is it still there? It, it's a restaurant a re- club. Yeah. yeah, still there. Yeah, yeah. it's still there. It's still, it's still there. there. Okay. Yeah. Um. So I example of detachment, and so I remember I was doing like. Like, it was my fourth show, my fourth time being on stage ever. Like, I was a baby. And so uh, I remember, no, no, let's not make a comment there. Okay? Yeah, <laughs> I know you were going to kill <laughs> sorry, me right there. Um, but I remember telling this one joke. And remember, I remember bombing for the first time ever. And every single comedian remembers the first time that they bomb on stage because it's a terrible feeling. I, I remember my heart sinking to my stomach. I like I told this one joke and I'll tell you the joke after. It's such a dumb joke. But um, I remember telling this joke and I remember my heart sinking to my stomach and all I wanted to do, because nobody laughed, all I wanted to do was run off stage and cry and never yeah, tell yeah, a joke yeah, again yeah, in my yeah. life. Right? And so it was a stupid joke. I'll tell you what the joke was. It was a stupid, uh, um, it, was, it was actually a Rub Ford joke. I talk about Rub Ford a little bit sometimes. Um, it was um, it was I I like to think that it was a highly academic well, joke. It was a long time ago. This was a long time ago. You're saying it's your fourth time on stage and yeah. you started when you were 20. So th- th- uh, this was uh, this was before like he got elected. Like he, 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 he was, was a counselor. counselor. No, counselor. I know. And you know, it's so funny because I yeah. used to when people used to say they used to they want to move to Toronto. I mean, they want to move to Canada. I would, I always do this. I school yeah. them in it, right? And I, so it's usually a little civics lesson in our politics. And before he got caught doing all that stuff. He wasn't popular, but he wasn't No, but he fell yeah. down when he yeah. was doing the football thing. And I'm like, and this is our mayor, right? And then, you know, and people laugh, but they didn't. And now they, then they all got like, oh, about your mayor. And they're still talking about it. Like, right. you know, anyway, so you were, this it was, was a, a long time yeah, ago when he was a counselor. Yeah, was so you were picking on him before it was popular. Yeah, I was actually that's what I'm trying to get to Canadian politics, like Toronto politics before. Right. I was weird. But that's nice that you, yeah. had, you, you had your finger on the, the pulse of, yeah. the, of the thing that was going to be so. Right, beforehand. Right? right. And so it was a stupid joke. It was like, my name is Rob Ford. And I smoke a lot of doobies and I have big boobies. Like it was like a stupid, <laughs> stupid, like a stupid joke. I thought it was highly intellectual at the time, but but nobody laughed at that. And I remember being on stage and my heart sinking to myself. Nobody stomach. laughed at I'm I'm right? up for it. I know, right? Boobies I and doobies. That was funny. Come, on, come on, fantastic, great. Adam's laughing. <laughs> I thought it was so See, funny. Sometimes you got to talk. Yeah. You got to you know your audience though, right? I mean, did they oh, know absolutely. who he was? At the no, time? no. See, like that was just that was my fault, right? But I, let's get back to detachment for a second. So I remember. I I love that she has a brain that clearly you smoke no marijuana because for you to be able to circle back like that is amazing. Good for you. Right? There you yeah, go. go ahead. And so I remember like going off stage and I used to be so upset when I used to bomb. Like in the beginning, I used to be so upset and I would, you know, I, w- I didn't want to do comedy anymore because it was so discouraging. And then I realized later why I was so upset. I was upset because I was attached to a certain expectation. I was attached to a certain reaction, but I can't control things. All I can do at the end of the day as me, as Asta, as a tiny indie comedian, I can only control how well I write my jokes and how well I deliver my jokes. But the moment the joke leaves my lips, I have no control over it. And so why worry about the things that I can't control? Focus that effort on like what I can control. And so that is like, that's essentially detachment, right? It's like trying your best. I know that sounds like something your mom says to you when you're like studying for like a grade four fractions test. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, it's like, she's try your best. Best. She's yeah. best. But she's right. At the end of the day, that's all that we can do. And so well, that's what you know, the I mean, there's I a lot of comics mm. who, could, who could learn from that. Yeah, I mean, uh, it, because, you know, it, it's interesting when we, when I had the club and, in the beginning, uh, Shannon hosted a, a show we did. A, it was called Amateur Night at the Beaver. Mm. You know, yeah. like Amateur Night at the Bijou. And, yes. uh, I've done and, a few of those shows. Yeah. yeah. And I, I stopped having it for a variety of reasons. One, comics in a lineup. 
uh, show generally show up, do their stuff, and leave. You know, and we were mm-hmm. in the business of making money. They don't. They're really looking for time. Comics are poor and they don't eat anything. That, drink mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> in fairness, you know, um, and they didn't. You know, it wasn't like oh, come and see me. And they brought ten people with them. And I wasn't one of those people who's like, if you want stage time, you got to bring ten people. So right. I was never going to do that. Um, and also. Um, it, from a business perspective, it wasn't a. It wasn't. I don't recommend to anyone who owns a place, you know, that it, unless they don't care if they yeah. sell anything, you know, to have a comedy so lineup. Don't care show. if they make money, right? Yeah. They don't care if they make money, you know. To, to, those uh, kind of businesses, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, those kind of businesses. Um, you know, unless you're a comedy club and people are mm-hmm. going there to see comedy, in which right. case, of course, you're going to have a comedy lineup show. That's ridiculous, right? But you know, a lot of clubs like they're like, oh, well, it's open mic night, you know, and whatever. So. Having said that, the other thing that disturbed me greatly about it was how profoundly upset the comics would get if their five minutes didn't go well. Mm. So if they didn't just boot right after that to go to another open mic, I would have another side, you know, the other side of the the club that was the pub where they would be lamenting Mm -hmm. to each other about how horrible it was. And and I said this, and I said this, and I did this, and they didn't laugh. And they would literally be saying their joke without their even understanding that they were saying it in a way that wasn't funny. Like they weren't doing their joke. They were, they were, Beating, literally beating, beating the moment to death. Yeah. Okay. So people could learn from you in that regard, you know. Blame the audience. It's not your fault. <laughs> <laughs> took me a long time to get but there, it's, didn't it? It's like being an actor, though. Mm-hmm. I've learned now, because I used to get worried, oh, I didn't get the part. What did I do wrong? How did I screw it up? And then when I started writing plays mm-hmm. and started doing my own casting, and I had actors come in, and I'm like, she was fantastic. She's not right for any of the parts, but oh, she's awesome. Yeah. And I started to realize sometimes it's just a type. It's mm-hmm. got nothing to do with you. Not so now I go in, you- I do an audition, and I'm like, I know I did a good job, but there's a million factors now. Mm-hmm. Got nothing to do right. with me. And again, I feel like during the time that we have been friends, and most recently since we've been hanging out a bit more, mm-hmm. we have discussed that a lot. Mm-hmm. And I, 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 I think that, you know... Part of it is doing a good job. I mean, and that's Asta's thing. And mm-hmm. I think that when we go for auditions or when we do that kind of stuff, you really have to be prepared. And that's mm-hmm. part of comedy. Like, Absolutely. I always, people are always like, what's the difference between being a lawyer and a comic? And you know what? There isn't much difference. You always need to be prepared. You need to know what's going to leave your lips. You mm-hmm. need to be prepared for anything that might come back. Yep. So, you know, if you say that joke, you have to have responsibility. You could say you do your best, but you can you, you you have to have some responsibility for for the reaction. When you say to me, mm-hmm. I can't control how they're going to react. Well, you you have to at least know they're going you to react. You have to try 110%. Right? right? You're trying to make mm-hmm. them laugh, correct? Yep. yep. You're Absolutely. not out there just going, no, no, I don't no, care no. what they do. Yeah, you have to care. <laughs> right. You still have to care, but you can't be attached to a certain expectation of how they're going to react because you can't control that. But you expect them to laugh. I know, but when they don't laugh, that's when the, the all the negative emotions come through, right? The The discouragement mm-hmm. and the, the fear and the stress and the, all of those negative emotions, right? So right. it's a matter of detaching from that, right. that so, outcome that we can't control. So to my point, yeah. which is if you know you nailed it mm-hmm. in your preparation and in your whatever, and Shannon, to your point, if you go to that audition and you know you nailed it and you don't get it, it kind of, there isn't anything you can do. I mean, mm-hmm. the, the audience doesn't laugh, but sometimes there are things you can do. I mean, there sometimes there is a connection with your audience, mm-hmm. correct? Absolutely. And I mean, you've walked in and felt, okay, I don't have a connection with this audience. Have you not? Oh, for sure. Yeah. There's definitely shows where you and, do that. You what do you do then? On, you try to work on building that connection, yeah. right? You try to, there has to be something. Everyone's humor is different. You guys know this, right? There's there's jokes that'll appeal to one demographic and jokes that'll appeal to another. I did uh, a show last week with the Rogers Women's Network and like I made a joke about Taylor Swift and nobody laughed because they're like, Who's Taylor Swift, right? Because they were then, old and 50. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. Um, and then I made a joke about Paula Abdul and everyone died. Like everyone uh, was laughing. You mean? And so they, it's a matter yeah. of – so I regaged that situation. So it wasn't going well in a certain direction and I was like, oh my God, readjust, readjust. Because I didn't know who's going to be in that audience. And I readjusted on the spot and then that joke killed. And so yeah. it's just a matter of understanding and changing Can I tell up. you my story about the bar in some place in New York? Like it was actually – it was called Bedrocks. It was in a strip mall. They put me up in the um, hotel where Joey Buttafuoco used to meet. Oh my God! What's her name? Amy Fisher. Amy Fisher. Oh my God! I, I got get there. Any of these references? Okay. See, that's hilarious. <laughs> oh my God! Get... She's that young. You know, Amy Fisher. Come on, Come Joey Buttafuoco. 
Joe I know Drew Barrymore. <laughs> she was in the made for TV. They made like three made for TV movies at the time about it. Okay, well, Joey Buttafuoco. Joey Buttafuoco was this guy, <laughs> and he liked to sleep with the young girl. Got and this it. young girl was named Amy Fisher. Okay. Mary Joe Buttafuoco was his <laughs> Joey's wife. wife. Yeah, Joey's wife. And then Amy Fisher shot, shot her in the head. <laughs> Mary oh, wow. Joe Buttafuoco, and she got. Partly paralyzed. On her I face. remember, remember her on TV going, "Look at what she did to my face!" Yeah. Right? And she was like talking <laughs> on the side of her mouth. And then Amy Fisher went to jail. And then Mary Jo Buttafuoco and Amy Fisher became, she became, forgave her. Oh, wow! And they became friends. Wow! Anyway, it was a big deal because. Well, Joey Buttafuoco was kind of like he didn't <laughs> just nothing, the name alone. Yeah, Joey Buttafuoco, right? But nothing happened to him, right? No, I think I I don't think anyone goes like brings their car to his shop anymore. Well, and here's the thing: Joey Buttafuoco and Amy Fisher. Now you know the story. Used to yep, meet. You got to tell this, the story now. Used to meet at, at this strip mall. No, hotel. at this hotel. Okay, hotel, yeah. They put me up in that hotel. <laughs> okay, so I get there with my girlfriend at the time, and I'm like, "Don't say I don't take you to nice places because there's cigarette burns on the on the counter." Oh, I'm like, man. "Maybe we should just sleep on top of the no, no, no." Because now we know we should never sleep on top of a hotel yeah. comforter, comforter, right, mm-hmm. or whatever duvet. So. It was just hideous. And then I get there, and the women are mad because it was a dyke bar. The women are mad that they turn off the pool table. They shut down the pool table. They're like, what the, what the fuck's going on? Like, <laughs> Why turn off the pool table? I'm like, uh-oh. <laughs> they don't want to see me. But these are the days when you actually got paid to do these shows. Nice. So I was uh, getting paid, Good right? Mm-hmm. Good old days that you don't remember because it never happened. I never you got see, any lesbians used to really like to play pool. <laughs> no. So maybe now you could take that joke. You could put that in your show. I'll put that okay. in my show. And the next time you're in front of a room full of old lesbians, just say pool. <laughs> just you will kill. <laughs> Terrible. Oh pool. <laughs> uh, anyway, Thanks, so they turned off the pool table. Mm-hmm. And I was like, as you know, uh, more than a, a current events comic. Mm-hmm. And I start talking about the news. No, so wrong. Oh, boy. <laughs> so to your point, I was like, that's it. I'm just going to talk about sex. And luckily, I had enough in my repertoire from over the years to just go to the jokes that were just about sex and, and you know, mm-hmm. my girlfriend mm-hmm. and, you know, Joe Buttafuoco. <laughs> <laughs> but that's how Tim Allen became so successful. He had He was doing his routine and then he got booked in like some, you know, like a hardware company Right. You know, Christmas party or something. And he went up and he was doing his jokes and it was dead. No one was laughing. So then he started going, you know, oh, oh, oh. you know, I like power tools. Oh. And everyone went crazy. <laughs> and then that's, that became his shtick. Wow. wow. Mm. Mm. From bombing to like super rich. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't even know how we, okay, well, we started with, you have to know your audience because you're saying um, do not, you know, succumb to the sort of defeatist attitude or mm-hmm. let that uh, deflect, right? Right. But I'm saying you can't completely deflect because you're there and you, you've got to – and you mo- did move to that audience mm-hmm. the, the, the full of older women, you pieces. <laughs> well, here's the question, though. What what would you say then to performers who are like, well, too bad. I'm not changing it. This is my performance. I'm an artist. This is how it's going to go. Uh, do you Good want for you. money to do it? <laughs> do, do you want to – do you like what do you want out of it? Do you, are you just doing it to express yourself, express your craft? Um, or are you doing it because you want to make people laugh and you want to change mindsets? And you want to – you know, it depends on what the end objective is. Um, and if you don't want to change your craft, you know, that's – you're an artist. Do what you want to do. But if you have different objectives, then you have to sort of keep that in mind. But you changed your craft. I mean, mid, mid whatever. But you, for a reason, to appeal mm-hmm. to people on a different level, right? I did it for two. It, 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 I did it for two reasons because I wanted to be more fulfilled in my comedy, and I wanted to help people. I wanted to help people th- with the lessons that I learned through my life about positivity and, and and positive thinking. And I wanted to bring those lessons forth, but do it in a humorous way, in a digestible way, because anybody can talk about like oh, anybody can talk about inspiration and finding the positive finding the bright side of every situation mm-hmm. and all the different principles that I talk about, everyone can do that. But if it's not an edu- edu- it's not an entertaining process and no one's going to really paying attention. Okay. To it. So here's what you did. That's completely yeah. different. However. Okay. Cause so you get, you know, a lot of people struggle in this industry with, you know, having to go and do those lineup shows and having to, you saw a niche, you saw a, not a niche. I'm I sorry. Created you, a niche. you created a yeah. niche. Yeah. So, I mean, every comedian out there tries to have their needs. Like Russell Peters, he does his, like, he started with his racial stereotypes. And Chris Rocky does his more urban humor. Right. Um, and so, and so I... As that, a, means, urban. that means black people. <laughs> right, Code <innocent>. word. 
Essentially, right? Everyone, every comedian out there tries to find their voice or their niche. And so when I used to go to shows, there would a lineup of comedians would be like seven Caucasian males and then one little Indian girl, like this guy, right? And so I was always like, what's my voice? Like, why am I different? Like, what's my perspective? Besides and the so, obvious why you're different? <laughs> besides the obvious, yeah. like the tiny little Indian girl. But you know what I mean? Like, we're all just telling jokes, trying to make people laugh. But like, what's my voice? What's my niche? And so I want to do something that I was proud of at the end of the day that I can... You know, people can leave with a little bit of a different perspective on their own lives. And so that's why I changed the tune of everything. And I started to talk about things that I wanted to talk about before I was talking about things that I thought would people would find funny. Yeah, yeah. Right. And that's that's a really disingenuine um, way to be an artist is you just do things because you think, oh, this person will find this funny. But it's not funny to you. And it's not it's not fulfilling for you. And so I changed the tune of everything because I just wanted to be more genuine with myself. Um, and that's why Guinness and Giggles was born. Yeah, there it is again, the plug, oh, goodnessandgiggles.com. I'm a business major. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. So, um, and actually, how's that going? It's going well, it's isn't it? It's going really You're well. Killing like, me. It's really, really good. I mean, I, I like, just take this for a second. Maggie, like, you changed my life by making uh, me, uh, by pushing me to do that show I'm because you okay. Maggie, you really, no, she yeah. does do that. Yeah, yeah. She so does look at me. That. Stop looking at her yeah, because she's right. freaking out right okay, now. Okay, I'm not going to look at Maggie, but honestly, I tell all of my friends that she changed my life because she put pushed me to do something that I was so afraid to do, right? And, and if it wasn't for her, I would still be doing these, like, shitty shows at shitty clubs, you know what I mean? And just, like, not ch- trying to change the world in, in my own little way. But but she did. She absolutely did. And because of that, I am where I am today because of Maggie. Oh, my and, God. Uh, <laughs> and, and it's good. So um, tell us to answer your question, <laughs> Goodness and Giggles is doing really, really well. And so um, it's for corporations, both profit and not-for-profit. And I also do shows for uh, educational audiences, so, like, high schools and universities and colleges. And it's all about inspirational comedy, right? And, and so, this all just like kind of really kind of yeah. came about in the last few years. Yeah, she set goals. Years. Let's yeah. be very clear about Asa's. Uh, <laughs> Asa's a you know you can say whatever, but people are driven, mm-hmm. you know, and and you're a driven person. I mean, I, if I had your focus, I, I forget it. If I had your focus, I, I wouldn't be here. Let's face it, I would be out somewhere saving the world because I could afford to. <laughs> <laughs> You know, people are like, what are you, you know, what's your, I mean, like, yeah, sure. Give me a lot of money so I can go change the world, right? Right. First, I get some nice stuff. I'm not going to lie to mm-hmm. you. But you have a, 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 an incredible, incredible focus. And you mm-hmm. have a, 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 I don't know if you learned it in business school. I don't know if you're. Your Indian mother drove it into you because, you know, I, I don't know if you've, uh, you know, Kate Riggs, she's a, 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 a South, she's not, not South, she's an Asian, she's Canadian comic. Canadian. Um, she talks about her mom a lot. Um, I don't know if what drove you or how you, if you were born with that focus, you need to answer the question. It's actually a question. Were you driven? Were you born with the focus? Did you learn the focus in business school? Because I certainly learned a lot being a lawyer about mm-hmm. presentations. So, oh, absolutely. So you set these goals and all of that stuff. So tell me how... What? Because uh, I really want to know how to focus like like Asta focuses. It's, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's, a, it's a multitude of everything that you did mention. There's a few really striking things. I always wanted to, to make my mom proud. I know that sounds really, really cheesy, but I always wanted to make my – like because, you know, like our immigrant parents, like they worked hard in this country and they like worked crappy jobs, like two, three jobs just to make – like just to let their Indian daughter be a comedian. You All know right, what I mean? Stop there for a second because yeah. I, I want you to finish the answer. Have yeah. you seen Master of None? Yes, I have. Okay, oh did my you God. see the, Yeah, the parents episode. I yeah. cried. I cried at the mm-hmm. end of episode two. It was a beautiful because a lot of times, like, we don't think about all of those hardships that they went through for us, right? And so he put that in, like, finally on screen. Someone who looks Are you surprised like by that show coming from him? Uh, a little bit because we're talking from, about Aziz Ansari. Aziz Ansari. Aziz Ansari. There we go. I was going to mispronounce that. That's okay. Um, the Indian guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's um, translating. Um, yeah. Cause so and, and Aziz Ansari does the show. It's on Netflix. It's yes. called Master of None. It's fantastic. It's, fantastic it's, um, it's very interesting. And that episode we're talking about in particular. Second um, episode. Yep. It's called Old People. Uh, no, it's no, called parents? Immigrant Parents or something like that? I don't know. Every episode is a different yeah. title. And parents or something. I don't yeah, know. it was called Parents. parents I think it was yeah. called Parents. Yeah. And um, uh, basically it showed uh, him, it was him and his friend who is uh, Asian. And Asian. I, uh, was he Chinese? I think he's Korean. He's Korean. Korean? He's Korean. He was yeah. Korean, yeah. Okay, sorry. <laughs> 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 You're still not painting everyone the same brush. Yes, no. <laughs> 
The same brush. Ask Kate Rig if I had Kate Rig on right now. I feel like calling Kate Rig so she could yell at me for that. But uh, they're both basically inbreds, first generation um, Americans. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, talk to me about why you cried. Because uh, oh, yeah. you know, I'm going to get him to do this show at some point. Oh, Aziz, yeah. yeah. Oh, I call him uh, up. Yeah, he's my cousin Aziz. actually. Yeah, no. of course you're uh, all related. <laughs> we're all related. <laughs> you look a lot alike. We do, right? <laughs> um, so again, the first generation inbreds who are just, you know, they just. We've never had to struggle for anything. And I think he talks about this in his stand-up as well. We've never had to struggle for anything. Like, his biggest struggle is, like, trying to, like, find a good flight from New York to L.A. You know what I mean? Like, like there's there's a different level of struggle, different kinds of struggle. And we never think about their experiences. And a lot of times, our immigrant parents don't talk to us about these experiences. So we don't know. And we don't ask questions, too, right? And so in that episode, they asked questions. They were all sitting down in a Chinese restaurant. Do you think that that's just an immigrant thing? Because, honestly, I, I... I've just started asking my parents questions because, you know. Maybe it's a universal thing, right? And we're just we're just so captivated in our own lives that we don't ask questions about our parents and what they went through. And maybe it is. A, a, I mean, you know, I'm just saying I, I, I felt. Thing. Yeah, I, I know that. But I, yeah. I also, you know, I'm second generation Italian, right? right so I right. can't. I mean, my grandparents are gone, so I couldn't ask my grandparents. But, yep. you know, sometimes I just uh, even how did you meet? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, tell me the story of your first date. Yeah. Mm. I, you just assume your parents, whatever. Or maybe I'm just a selfish... But know, I've always been interested in family history. But my, I remember my my like older uncles and aunts and stuff were like, it's so weird. She wants to talk to us about all this old stuff. Yeah. <laughs> no right? one ever asks us the stuff. Okay, but I was so always it, into it. But yeah, I think so we're all me. selfish pieces mm-hmm. of we're, crap, yeah, basically. Except me. Okay, so, <laughs> so, so go back to your focus. So, <laughs> right. so, so, A, your so immigrant was, parents who work so hard, mm-hmm. so you want to you want to make them proud. I do, yeah. So, so that drives your focus. Yeah, and so I grew up with a single mom. You know, like my parents got divorced when I was a kid. And so Sorry, I just assumed they were together because, you know, they were Indian. <laughs> yeah, I know. And it's very uncommon for Indian parents to get divorced. Is actually. it? Yeah, it's super uncommon. Um, but now, like, anything goes. But, you know, back when they got divorced, like, a while ago, it was super, super uncommon. Okay, so you were raised um, by your mom. Yeah, I was raised by my mom. And so, like, she raised um, my brother and myself by herself. And and so I've always been sort of grateful for that. And so I've always wanted to make sure that she was proud of me. Oh, my God, I got a little teary-eyed. Um, I wanted to make sure that she was proud of me. And so that's why I wanted to do something where she can come to my sh- comedy shows and not be like like kind of embarrassed by my fart jokes you know like I want her to come to my shows and like mm-hmm. be proud of what I'm talking about too and so that was that was a little bit of why goodness and Gale started and the drive is just like to make it successful to like actually help okay people. so that's part of your focus yeah. Yeah, yeah. so what's the uh, what, what are the other elements of your uh, focus? How business did you, school helped a lot business school business did school help a lot right because I mean I, you were telling me um you know right now I'm focusing on and I have the emails you know and I have this plan and this will be up by this time and then yeah. you're like here's my website what do you think and I'm like what what just what where'd that come from yeah. Yeah. It all came together really fast, actually. Um, but business school did help a lot. Like, not to gloat or anything, but, like, Shulik is, like, the Harvard of, Harvard of business yeah, schools yeah, in know, Canada. Right. And so, like, <sighs> they teach you how to to time manage and how to set goals and how to set priorities. And that was four years of that. And so when you're in an environment with, like, super, super – and I'm not saying – I'm, I'm smart, but the, my peers were geniuses. My peers were super, super smart people who are now going to, like, run companies. Mm-hmm. And so when you're surrounded by those people, you have to up your game up a little mm-hmm. bit. I barely, let's be honest, I barely passed mm-hmm. at school. I, like, you know, like, <laughs> you know, until, until I started taking marketing courses, like, I was barely passing through that school. Um, but then I started to get really good grades because I was interested in the material. And so it's a matter of marketing and, and it's a matter of, like, it was surrounding myself with, like, smart people. And I've always tried to do that in my career and in my personal life is to like sm- surround myself with really smart people who are driven because that forces you to be driven as well. Mm-hmm. A lot of my friends are entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. And so that forces me and that keeps my focus because if they're focusing, then uh, I'm going to be focusing too. And I think that your character and your drive is made up of like the five people that you surround yourself mm-hmm. most with. Mm-hmm. Right. And so that has your company has a great influence on who you are as a person and your character and your your goals to some degree. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's a multitude of factors. My mom and business school were were two of the big ones. Yeah, I think that's uh, I, I think business school is probably uh, uh, look pleasing your mom is like you know uh, that drives a lot of people now, yeah. crazy. I actually, please your mom too. I yeah. know, right? Yeah. No, it also drives a lot of people crazy. Let's just face it. You know, I mean, I, I my neighborhood, you know, the, the ta- Italian Jewish. It was like you know, I, the, my Jewish friends could, could never please their Jewish moms. You yeah. know, it was like. <laughs> <laughs> you're killing me, right? It's so. I mean, there's a, there's a lot yeah. of uh, there's a, a lot of uh, certainly wanting to to please 
parents, unless yeah. you hate them, in which case you just don't, you don't care. care. <laughs> you don't care. You do stuff on purpose just to piss off. And then they become part of your act. You know? Yeah, there you go. Um, does your mom, when she sees you do her on stage, just, uh, oh my God, that, that came out completely so weird. Adam, wrong. edit, edit, oh. edit. Jeez Louise. M- it's me do her. G hashtag. <laughs> Wow. That was beautiful, actually. I really enjoyed that. That was good. Do you, do you have, has your mom seen you impersonate her? Yes. She's at the Flying Beaver. She's come to a few shows. Yeah. She's seen. She's, Did I meet her? Uh, I think you might have. Yeah, I yeah. think I might have introduced yeah, yeah, you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we should tell um, the story of how you're like, uh, you had a show and like five minutes before the show, there was like oh, yeah. four people there. <laughs> I was your sound and jack then, that night. I was like, what like, the heck? And then 45, we only held 54. And then. Brown people don't make reservations. Oh my, you know? I wanted to, I was like, what? The chef was like, what? I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm sorry. We don't know how it works sometimes. We're not, yeah, yeah. We, and but, then you're but, like, well, brown people don't make, okay, Asta, <laughs> next show, you must force them and to then, make And res- then they did, right? Yeah. We just have to teach us. It's fine. It's like colonization all over again. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> you just have to teach us the ways of your people. Um, <laughs> it's terrible. It's terrible. Terrible. Um, but yes. <laughs> What was the question? I, I don't, don't even remember. remember right? What does your mom say when she sees oh, you yeah, yeah, yeah. impersonate so her? She shakes her head and she smiles because she knows that's like she knows I'm making fun of her and she knows she's very playful. She's very cool with this stuff. She's very supportive and she's like, whatever you need to do to get a laugh, no problem. I will I will be part of your joke. Like you know, like it's, <laughs> come on, man. Yeah, you know cute. what? I'm sorry. No matter what, mm-hmm. let me ask you this: it, yeah. is it's is it offensive to you when people of not South Asian descent do the accent no i no i don't get offended easily like because it, you know there's a i don't really like it when people who are not of the culture do mm-hmm. an accent unless you're actually talking about an incident that yeah. happened and the person actually said something it's the tact to you. in what you do it in the context of what you do it right if you're just doing it just to like try to make get a like a cheap laugh then it's then it's you know it, the audience is going to know that but if you do it in context and if you do it in an appropriate manner and it's funny then yeah go ahead go nuts yeah, because mm. it's a really funny accent. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it you know, when I re- retell your jokes at parties, I do it with the accent. <laughs> when I steal your jokes at parties, exactly. Translation. I talk about my mother, <laughs> and everyone thinks it's hilarious. And then I kill the browser dude. You know, <laughs> <laughs> everyone wins. Well, that you actually made that as a, a, a she got a deal joke too. Yeah, which yeah, was yeah. Like, yeah. Um, so, oh my gosh, no, I just forgot. And I had a very organically leading right to the next question question. Um, oh, stop Drive, it. focus, drive, mom. No, no, no. It had to do with, um, oh, stealing jokes. You ever had your jokes stolen? No, I, no, no one wants to take inspirational yeah, no. comedy jokes. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a really fun market right now. <laughs> yeah, so I was bombing the other day and I went with, uh. Detachment. Uh, detachment. <laughs> Before yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, when yeah. you told just the general, uh, run-of-the-mill jokes. Do you ever have anybody, ever see anyone do your material? Not really, because when I go, as I said, when I go to shows, like, the perspective is usually a Caucasian male. And so no one really has oh, yeah, right. my life, you know right. what I mean? Like, oh, yes. you lucked out there. Yeah, you super lucked the out boxes. there. Yeah, yeah. so right. too, too specific. <laughs> Yeah. Females. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So That's... there's no one who can take that perspective. Right. And I do stuff based on my own experiences. And so it's kind well, of it's another kind of female brown comic could take your jokes. They could. I mean, they could have. They could have. But, but that didn't happen. Pretty... No, 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 no. I've, I have had it happen to me, actually. It's very disturbing. <laughs> female brown co- comic took your Yes. Joke? A female yeah. brown comic took my joke. <laughs> they are such trouble. They're vultures. <laughs> She's like, joke. I was Italian raised in a Jewish neighborhood. There, I did it. Go ahead. Nobody's listening anyway. I love what you do, and it's actually so cute. Well, who makes uh, you laugh? Um, ooh, Wanda Sykes, yeah. Sarah Silverman, uh, Amy Schumer. You know the people. I make you laugh. Yeah, Maggie <laughs> Shut up, that one. I went fishing for fishing. But I love Wanda Sykes. She's mm-hmm. one of my favorite comedians. Sarah Silverman. I, I actually got a chance to meet her at TIFF. Um, she was doing like a little um, Q&A session at TIFF. And I, I love her style of comedy. I love women comedians who have a message. Those mm-hmm. are my favorite mm-hmm. type of comedians. And so mm-hmm. that's what I want to be one day. Like be a strong female comic with a message. So, you know, that would have been my last question would have been yeah. like, what's your legacy? But we already know what your what your legacy <laughs> to is. To spread goodness and to do spread you wanna, um And fart jokes. And do, fart jokes. Do you want to uh, eventually 
can I even ask you this? Do you want to eventually quit your day job and just do this full time? Oh, that's the dream, Maggie. That's the dream. I'm working nine to five in a cubicle right now, and I that's to pay the bills, and then I do the other stuff on the side. And I would love my dream would be to tour the world and to spread inspirational comedy and to help people find a different perspective on their lives, to f- help people just to bring a little bit of light into their lives again through comedy. And and I feel like um, the reason I started Goodness and Giggles is because. Well, a multitude of reasons, but I came across this quote from the World Health Organization that basically stated that depression will be the second leading cause of disease um, after heart disease in the next five years. Like in the world? In the world, yeah. After heart disease, the next cause of um, disability, sorry, will be depression. And that's that blew my mind because that's five years from now. And mental health issues are such a big thing. And, like, we're only starting to talk about it now. Do you mean? And so, like... If if I can be a catalyst to help that in any way through through this organization, then that's my legacy. I want to be able to change people's perspectives and ultimately change their lives in, in a little way. Um, well, I don't think it's a little way. I well, think and I think it, she's totally d- going to do it, too. Yeah. Like, well, you know, really? You know what? I want a piece. I want, a, I, I want my, my piece. Um, no, listen to me. Because mm-hmm. and this is crazy, right, I, to make this leap. But I don't. In a way, it's 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 almost a religious experience that you're talking about, but it's not religious. It's not religious, no. And the way the, you know, I'm not an expert on anything. It's just my observation, and and obviously, you know, I'm I'm a, I'm a little bit pr- impacted by everything that's been going on, and and a lot of what goes on is done in the name of religion, oh, and yes. it's very upsetting. Um, but at the same time, you know. I, I think if you open your eyes and you look at the socioeconomic situations of so many people in the world, and now people are rolling their eyes, um, and see that they're probably drawn to certain organizations because they feel like they have no choice, mm-hmm. right. and because these people are offering them yep. certain things like food mm-hmm. and right. clothes and you know Basic. martyrdom, yeah. um, the virgins, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that there is you know there is this void of of hope mm-hmm. that needs to be filled. And I I mean, can we do it with can we do it with comedy? I I think maybe Uh, there is a lot of suffering in the world. And let's be honest, like Mm -hmm. it's it's we're not going to sugarcoat this. There is a lot of suffering in so many different ways. Sometimes it's it's external and sometimes it's circumstance. Sometimes it's people around us. Sometimes it's our own minds. Right. And so I want to help with that latter part Mm -hmm. is like is is finding the the gratitude and the, the light in our own minds and like. Actually thinking about the quality of our own thinking, too, because a lot of mental health comes from, like, it comes from within. It also comes from different circumstances and stuff. Right. And um, also and sometimes it's, it's biological. It's a very right? complex, uh, complex issue. But um, but I feel like I feel like it can be done. I feel like the people are looking for hope. And I feel like if this can be done through inspirational comedy, then why not? And I think it can be done because I've gotten a lot of feedback through the shows mm-hmm. that I have done. And people are like, wow, like I was having such a crappy day and you changed you changed everything around for me today in in 45 minutes and that's why i do this dude are I, you taping this stuff uh, yeah absolutely yeah I, I just, are you uh, uh, the, are you putting together a book and a cd yes i am i'm trying to so is the, that in your gig- business plan yeah it is actually <laughs> it is it is um i mean like further down like that's not like the the end goal but i did tape the the show last week and I, i'm gonna throw it on youtube and stuff because i want people to know exactly what i do and i want people to be like hey i like what she's talking about i want her to come talk to my group of people and i know? think the next logical step my friend is you got to start putting this stuff into uh, into distribution. You're only one person. Yes. One of the best, uh, yes. uh, some of the best advice I ever got as a lawyer when I first started out was from a client who said, you're only one person. Yeah. So if someone comes to you and doesn't have money, but has a great idea and they say, I'll give you a percentage, he's like, take it. Take it. Because mm-hmm. you can't, you know, you, you can't do this. You can only bill so many hours. Tell that to the lawyers who go to jail, <laughs> right? Only bill so How many did hours. you bill that many hours in a... There's only 365 days in a year, and you build 5 million hours, right? Yeah. So uh, uh, I, I think there's only one of you, mm-hmm. um, and if you want to get the message out, maybe the, the next logical step is to uh, get working on that book and get working oh, no. on that CD, yeah. because you can sell the CDs after. I'm just saying, if people want to yeah. take away what yeah. you're saying, mm-hmm. if your goal is to really change... They need to take. They need something to take they away. Some, Even right. if you sell it at cost, right? Even if you right. sell it at cost plus, you know, a couple bucks, right? Right, right, right? Because your goal really is to change the world. A little bit. Hasta yeah. Yeah. How do you like <laughs> that is. here on the Art of Comedy? That. We have a comic 
whose goal is to world. change the world with perspirational comedy. <laughs> <laughs> Inspirational comedy. Inspirational comedy. Yeah. Well, thank you. That's the plan. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Did I forget anything? Is there anything you want to say? You have another show coming up or anything? Anything else you need to plug? Yeah. Uh, no, no, I'm good. Just okay. goodness and giggles. Check out goodnessandgiggles.com. That is Asta. Sounds, <laughs> sounds like pasta, pasta. spelled double A S T H A. L-A-L. Yeah. Uh, if you want to look her up. Um, but Google's goodness and Google's and <laughs> I remember running. I remember sending you an email, like running the name by you. And you like you you can remember. But you did like it. I yeah, remember I being in, I, I remember being in your kitchen and telling you, I was like, what do you think about goodness and giggles? And you're like, get the URL right now. And I was like, and then I got it the next day. I got it. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> get you. the URL. <laughs> pee on that URL. Get it right now. Yeah. If any give you any advice, it's pee on your URLs, people. <laughs> Because, you know, but no, that's that's uh, awesome. All right. So um, Asta, Shannon, Adam, uh, y'all listening out there. This has uh, been the Art of Comedy. I'm Maggie Casella. And you've been listening on PeachRadio.com. Uh, you can comment. If you're listening and you want to drop a comment, drop a comment uh, on, I think, on the uh, SoundCloud site. Um, write us. Tell us what you think. If it's good. If you don't like it, you don't have to write Hashtag it. Hashtag Brown. If you don't like black. it, I've been yeah. Kate Clinton. She's <laughs> a great comic. I just uh, always like to do that. Thank mm-hmm. you so much, Asta, for coming. Thank, Thank you all for listening. Maggie Casella, The Art of Comedy, peachradio.com. <laughs> <laughs>